Hello and welcome to our latest data protection tea break, number seven so far, which is apt as today we're discussing the seven data protection principles. We'll talk about what they are and what they mean in practice. I'm Kirsty Bugall and today I'm joined by Rachel Masterton, Deputy Commissioner of Guernsey's Office of the Data Protection Authority. Hi Rachel, thank you for joining me today. Hello Kirsty. So I'm really quite new to the whole data protection world, but I have learned that there used to be eight principles and now there's seven. So before we discuss them in detail, can you explain a bit about that change, please? Indeed. Uh, reflecting the GDPR uh, that came into force across Europe last year, our local legislation has indeed moved from eight principles to seven. Um, two of the principles that were in the previous legislation have dropped out and become sections of the law in their own right. Uh, so data transfers is no longer a principle but it's covered in part 10 of the law and the um, principle governing data subject rights has also been dropped but is covered comprehensively in part 3 of our law. Um, which leaves you six. We've added another one just for good measure, which we'll talk about at the end around accountability. So just generally then, what's the difference between these principles and the law itself? Because uh, data protection is quite difficult to articulate and, and cover every single circumstance, by, by making it principles-based, you are able to apply the idea, the um, concept of various things, but uh, adapt it in a way that works for your business and works for the um, processing that is going on, uh, covering your own scenarios. Um, whereas the parts of the law are more specific, covering exactly what you need to do in various circumstances. And so that's why uh, you, you have the balance between the two. Um, if we try to write everything as a, you must do this, you must do that, the law would be even longer than the 270 pages we've got at the moment. So it's more practical, really? It is, yes, and, and easier then to look at implementing and um, applying as is appropriate in the circumstances, because it does cover a wide range of uh, processing from quite simple, straightforward uh, processing by shops around customer data, all the way up to medical data, government data and, and um, everything in between. Right, so let's get down to these principles then. So the first one I've got written down is lawfulness, fairness and transparency. Yes, so lawfulness, fairness and transparency is one of the uh, principles that's come over from the previous law, um, essentially, and it um, is perhaps the most important of the principles uh, because it establishes and makes sure that you're thinking about what you're doing, why you're doing it, and that you're telling people what is going on. So the lawfulness applies to um, ensuring that you are able to um, rely on one of the conditions from within the law that is given as a lawful processing condition. And, and that, as a, the name suggests, means your processing is lawful. So before you start anything, you should be looking at Schedule 2 of the law, finding which of those conditions work, whether you're looking maybe at contractual um, reasons for processing, maybe it's legitimate interest, perhaps you're looking at consent, but establishing which one of those for the circumstances you're in. And fairness and transparency is all around making sure that it is appropriate and fair, right for the people whose data you're processing and that they understand what is going on. And certainly a number of the um, inquiries we get in the office from individuals who are concerned about what's happened with their data revolve around them not understanding or not being informed as to what's going on with their personal data. The processing itself might be entirely appropriate, right and needed to be done, um, but the individuals are not aware that that's going on. It comes as a surprise and that unsettles them. So this is the principle that deals with that, making sure that um, people know what's happening. 
So that's key, isn't it, to make sure people understand what actually is being done with their data. Indeed it is, um, and that just builds a much better relationship between the organisation and the data subject um, and makes um, everything much more straightforward if people understand what's going on. Great, thank you. Um, I don't want to get into too much nitty-gritty, but I understand that consent is probably not the best one to depend upon when it comes to lawfulness. Um, there will be circumstances when consent is appropriate, but often there is another condition from within the law that works better for the organisation and better covers the processing uh, that is needed. Um, you need to remember that consent is something that can be withdrawn, so you don't want to rely on consent if it's absolutely imperative that that data is being processed, because if the individual withdraws that consent, that would have to stop. Um, and in circumstances such as that, there are other conditions that might work, so legal obligation, or it's part of a contractual relationship you have with the individual, and that then means those are better conditions than perhaps consent on its own. Great, thank you. So number two, I've got purpose limitation, which <laughs> to me actually sounds very vague. Indeed. Uh, purpose limitation is all about making sure that you only use the personal data for the reasons that you have articulated to individuals. So that when you begin a, um, a relationship with a, a client or with a data subject, um, you've outlined as a result of principle one, um, the lawfulness, the fairness, how you're doing, what you're doing with the data. Purpose limitation, the second principle, is about putting that into practice. So if you have said that you were using that data to manage the client relationship necessary under contract, you shouldn't then use that information for anything else that is incompatible with that. So suddenly marketing some material that the individual isn't um, interested in and isn't part of the contract that you have in place uh, could mean that you are um, not complying with the requirements around purpose limitation. So it's sticking within the boundaries that you set by that lawfulness? Yes, and it ties in quite nicely with this idea of fairness and transparency. So you, if you've told people what you're doing, don't then do something else, because again, that's going to unsettle them. So actually that sounds quite clear. <laughs> it is, yes. In the end it is quite clear, but so you do set, set thinking with, with all the data that you might have about maybe a new business venture you've got or a new product you want to develop something, um, you need to think about how you use that data that you already hold in relation to any new business lines. And if you do wish to use it, making sure you go back to um, customers and clients, explaining what's going on, giving them the options around um, how that's going to be used rather than just... Um, going ahead and doing something that might be incompatible with the law. Lovely. So minimisation is number three. Minimisation, yes. This is all about only having what you need to do the job. Um, so you can hold whatever is required to fulfil the purpose of the processing, um, but you shouldn't go outside that and start asking for information that you may never need or that you think you might in some circumstance but you haven't thought of yet possibly require, you should be quite clear and only hold what you need. The more data you hold, the bigger the risk is around security, um, around keeping it accurate, around all the other things you need to do um, in compliance with the law. So if you stick with only what you need, that lessens that risk. It means your systems are nimble, you're responding to um, requirements appropriately. And um, again, when you're looking at the client uh, relationship, you are not um, straying into areas that might cause concern. Um, if I want um, to order a catalogue from a, a website, um, that's what I want. And it might not be appropriate for me to answer various questions about my schooling, for example, because that's nothing to do with it. Um, so it is keeping within uh, the remit of what you're doing. 
not so straight. It's focus, isn't it? Making sure that you know what you want, what you need it for, and only collecting that. Yes, it is. So it's useful in practice to sit down and think about um, the data you hold, why you've got it, and if you have a, a, a bank of data that you've never used, stop collecting it. Lovely. So number four, accuracy. Yes, accuracy. So personal data should be accurate and where necessary kept up to date um, so that um, you're using it appropriately, um, that you're not making any mistakes with it, that you're responding to the client's requirements. So if addresses change, update your records. If you don't update your records, again, this is a potential risk around security because you can start pass information to inappropriate places um, because you haven't kept your records up to date. Um, so think about how you're going to do that in, in around how you use that data. Um, so I was very impressed when my son started his second year at school to get the data sheet that I previously filled in home um, and I was asked to check that all the data on there about contacts and emergency contacts and health details and things were all accurate and up to date so that their records were, were appropriate and, and kept um, up to date themselves. Um, so I was quite impressed to go, be able to go through and be given that opportunity to um, make sure that everything was as it should be. So as a customer, we might actually be a little irritated by this constant request to ensure our data is correct. But actually, like you just pointed out, it's really important because otherwise information about us could be sent to the wrong place. Yes, things could go to the wrong place or could, decisions could be made based on information that is out of date. Situations could have changed. Um, so yes, it is just checking and organisations need to work out the best way of doing that. So if every time somebody contacts an organisation, if, if they contact them weekly, they're always asked to um, verify seven sheets of paper worth of data, that's going to start getting irritating, I should imagine. So it's getting the balance right um, and making sure that um, customers are given the opportunity to update. We all should know if we move that we need to tell various people, but we will forget organisations. So if um, organisations do um, put processes in place, that will help them. Lovely, thank you. Um, storage limitation. Um, I think I have a bit more of an idea about this one. <laughs> yes, this is all about how long information is kept for. Um, so um, when you're looking at retention of personal data, organisations need to think about how long they will need to use that data for. Um, and any circumstances um, that will dictate how long that's that's going to be may be things like legislation, there may be legal requirements, um, it may be in order to defend against legal claims for which there might be a, a set period in which those can be made. Um, you may have ongoing requirements after a customer relationship has ended or a, a staff relationship, for example. So um, if a member of staff leaves an organisation, it's not necessary um, or necessarily appropriate to get rid of that information immediately because you may have um, income tax requirements around that or pension obligations that you need to fulfil. So some of that data will need to be kept for longer. Storage limitation um, uh, principle is all about documenting that, working out what that looks like for your organisation and being able to articulate why in some circumstances it might be six years you hold things, but for other circumstances it may be ten years. So our advice is to look at the data you hold, um, think about the reasons for which you might need to use that, look at um, any legislation there is that might guide you, any professional body information that might give you a, a clue as to what they're expecting, um, and then build that into your retention schedule. 
And should you be telling the people whose data it is you're keeping how long you're keeping it for? Yes, as part of the requirements, if we go all the way back to the first principle, um, one of the requirements under there is um, articulating data retention so that people are aware. Because again, some people might uh, you know, cease to use your services, might leave, might be surprised that you still have the data three years on, um, but there might be a requirement under income tax legislation to hold some of that. And so that's entirely reasonable you do, but it again may come as a surprise to the individual. So if you've articulated that in your um, privacy notices, um, then um, that gets over that surprise. Um, number six really seems quite important and obvious. So integrity and confidentiality or security. Yes, it's all around making sure that you can rely on the data you have, and this idea that around integrity is that it is as you left it, so that you're using that data and you can rely on it, it is accurate, um, and so nobody's getting in and making changes, nobody is compromising that data. Confidentiality is about keeping it um, confidential within the organisation or as far as it needs to go for the purposes for which you're intending. And so putting processes in place, and this falls into two camps around um, organisational measures, so policies, training, uh, the things you put in place to say this is how you use data, this is what's expected, and then your technical security, so around IT maybe, uh, your firewalls, passwords, things like that, physical security of the organisation, the building, uh, filing cabinets, all that sort of thing within the building um, is around security. And you can see from um, the breach stats that we now publish uh, bi-monthly that um, there are incidents out there where things don't go quite according to plan, um, where there are potential breaches of security, uh, where personal data may have been compromised, um, and organisations need to learn from those if they happen and, and put procedures in place to deal with and hope they don't come up again. That's what I was thinking actually, that this is all about the breaches, isn't it? So whether it's illegal hackers or just human error and accidents, you know, things that aren't deliberate, but... Yes. This is where all that comes in. It is, yes. It's understanding what the risks are to your organisation. Um, some organisations will have greater risk than others based on the information. So healthcare organisations, for example, in vast swathes of very sensitive data about um, a lot of the population of, of, of uh, the bailiwick. Um, so they need to respond accordingly to that. So their, their measures they put in place around security, around confidentiality, around integrity may be much higher than um, a small a small business that is processing only contact details, for example, um, because the risk levels are different. But and, and this is one of those really good examples of why it's principle and not a you must do it this way, because it would be impossible to document in a step-by-step -step fashion something that works in all circumstances. So you take um, assessment of what you've got, what you're using it for, what the risks might be in your industry, and then respond accordingly. Sure, and obviously the measures that have to be put in place will be different depending on the number of people you're dealing with as well. So the states of Guernsey, for example, mm -hmm. deals with all of our data in yes. some way, so they obviously have a much different approach to a small one-man band. Indeed, yes. Um, the sensitivities of data, the quantities of data, the amount of data moves around. So if you are a one-man band, you've got your contact list on your computer, um, you run a, and a small accounting system for invoicing purposes, um, you can put security around that and that's going to be fairly straightforward, fairly simple in some respects. Whereas yes, if you're looking at um, the states of Guernsey and the, the organisations within that and the 60,000 plus records that they may be holding, um, yes, it's going to be a different level of security needed and, and more complex and, and more granular to allow people access to what they need 
but without opening it up to everybody. It's a tricky job, I can imagine. It is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, accountability. Yes. <clears throat> accountability is the new principle. Accountability essentially says that organisations need to be able to demonstrate that they are um, complying with the other six principles so that they document what they're doing and that they can uh, demonstrate to us as an organiser, as the regulator and to individuals if needed that they are taking this seriously, that they're putting processes and procedures in place. So it is thinking for each principle about what you're doing, um, making sure that you review um, uh, policies and procedures you have in place, understanding the data you have um, and, and embracing this idea of accountability. Data protection is um, well, in, in some respects, it never has been just a tick box, tick box exercise, but the accountability principle means that you really do have to engage with it now, um, rather than just thinking, oh, it's quite straightforward, two or three things to do and I'm done. You need to think about it, keep it under review. It needs to be something that um, senior management are aware of. If you've got um, board of directors, that it's on their agenda, that they're thinking about risks, put it on risk register, um, and um, thinking about it as a, as a whole for the entire organisation. So it's a good idea to keep it constantly under review then at certain points? Yes, indeed. And making sure that people within the organisation know uh, what they need to be doing around data protection and if there are potential changes or potential issues that come up, how they can um, deal with those or, or pass them to whoever is most appropriate to, to move forward and, and to review and, and put other things in place. And documenting everything is very important as well. Yes, stage, yes indeed documenting it's very important because we will get uh, potentially get complaints coming in about how uh, somebody's personal data has been processed and concerns may be raised about whether they are the organisation has complied with the principles as they're required to um, and we will ask for um, the demonstration of that and if you've got the documentation to hand that you can pass over then that's brilliant because we can see your thought process we can understand that um, there may be occasions where um, the organisation and the regulator differ about how they would have dealt with a particular issue but if we can understand why it was done the way it was done that helps us um, in resolving the matter and, and, and looking at the complaint. If unfortunately you, the response back is, or we, we've always done it that way, we haven't really documented it, that's not helpful in, in demonstrating your accountability and could cause further problems. So really looking at these seven principles, they are very integrated, aren't they? They are tied very closely together and each relates to the other. Indeed, it's difficult to tackle one without having some impact on them in, in uh, the others that exist. And that again is helpful around why it's a principles-based approach rather than just a straightforward rules approach is because it, it, there are nuances to it, there are overlaps um, and it becomes an entire life cycle of the data that you hold that you need to be thinking about and, and complying with the legislation. It's a good way of thinking of it actually, isn't it? A constantly evolving cyclical indeed yes you get the data in you deal with it you, you hold it for as long as you need to you get rid of it you protect it in the meantime um, it is a constant um, constant cycle so it is thinking about this at all points and when something changes what does that mean for the processes and procedures you've got in place and of course if people or organisations are stuck or find this tricky we are here to help as well, aren't we? Indeed, we've got guidance on our website around a number of these aspects. Uh, we run our drop-in mornings um, every other Wednesday morning. Organisations can come in and have a chat to a member of staff about any particular problems they've got. We do our podcasts, of course, so there are other podcasts around aspects of this and there will be future podcasts as well. And just get in touch and we can point you in the direction and have a chat about issues that you've got. 
Rachel, that's been really helpful. Thank you very much. It's really useful to Thank me. Thank you. Um, and if, of course, as Rachel's mentioned, if you did want any more information, then you can contact us. But there is a lot of information on our website. There's a guide on the seven principles and some top tips that helps with applying them in practice. And of course, don't forget to keep a lookout for our next podcast and maybe listen back to some of the others, because as Rachel said, we have covered some other topics that you might find helpful. So thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.